The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. All right, let's dive into our study for this morning. Uh, as you turn uh, in your Bibles, we're going to be jumping around in your notes. I didn't really put much information. It's just a bunch of blank lines for you to kind of take notes on whatever sticks out to you the most uh, this morning. But let me pray for us, and then we'll dive in. God, thank you so much that you are a God that loves us that you are a God that is with us, that you are a God that invites us to be a part of your mission uh, that you are unfolding here on this earth. And I pray that as we look into your word now, that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts, that your Holy Spirit would draw us to action, and that we would be obedient in following in your footsteps. Be with us now as we open up your word together. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, Several months ago, we began a series uh, that really launched off of Easter. Uh, We looked at the words of Jesus. Jesus came uh, many years ago for one purpose, to to point us to the Father. And and, in order to do that, he came to die for us. Many of us, we celebrate Christmas and Easter, uh, the two kind of capstones of Jesus' life, uh, his birth and his death and resurrection. But a lot of times... What gets neglected is his life, everything that he accomplished and everything that he did. The scriptures say that if we claim to believe in him, we must walk as Jesus walked. And as a church, we are called to walk in his footsteps. We are called to be his disciples. And that's going to be the focus of our talk today. Last week and this week, we're kind of taking two weeks to push pause on our series that we've been doing, and to remind us of what the mission is all about. Jesus, after he died on the cross and rose again, he went to his disciples and he said, you know what, this is the plan. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. But wait, you can't go on your own. And it's going to be better than I leave. I'm going to the Father now. Where I go, I'm going to prepare a place that you may one day be with me there. But while you're here on earth, continuing the mission that I started, the Father is going to send another, the counselor, who's going to guide you, instruct you, and lead you. He's going to give you the gifts that you need to fulfill the mission of reaching those who do not yet know me. As the Father sent me, now I'm sending you. That was Jesus' words, some of his last words that he shared with his closest followers. In the book of Matthew, we see something that's been called the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28. If you have your Bible, this should be a verse that is underlined and circled and highlighted. It is so important. It's called the Great Commission. It's not the Great Suggestion. It's not Jesus' opinion. It is a commandment for all of us to follow. It says this in Matthew chapter 28 verses 19 and 20. It says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe. Some of your versions say teaching them to obey. It's not enough just to know what Jesus wants us to know. We have to live it. We have to do it. The book of James, Jesus' brother, wrote it. He said, If you are just hearers of the word, and not doers, it's like being somebody that looks in the mirror in the morning and notices your hair is a mess and you do nothing about it. I can see some of you did that this morning. But, just joking. 
the first hour, they were more offended than laughing. But that one, um, we need to be not just hearers, but doers of the word. Teach them to obey the commandments that I have taught you. And behold, I am with you always until the end of the age. This is the great commission, and it is for each and every one of us that have been called a child of God. If you are a child of God, you have been called to be a disciple of God. And if you've been called to be a disciple of God, you are called to be a disciple maker. How many of you see yourselves as disciples who are out there making disciples? This is the mission, to go into all the world, reaching Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, going into all nations, making disciples. And it's not an option. It's a commandment. Many of our churches, we celebrate Easter, we celebrate uh, Christmas, we celebrate Easter. We need to learn that the, the life of Jesus is the substance of, of what we need in our life, and we need to develop a more proper understanding of who Jesus is for us. He is not just our Savior. He is to be our Lord. There's a huge difference. Some people, they sign up for Jesus because they one day don't want to go to hell. But Jesus didn't save us just to save us from eternal punishment. He saved us to give us the life he wants us to live here and now. As our Lord, as our teacher, as our Savior, as the one who is our disciple maker. And that's what he wants us to be as well. In a network meeting I was a part of this week, uh, a former youth of mine uh, said this so wisely. Jesus did not just die for me. He is the fuel that runs my life. Is Jesus that for you? Is Jesus somebody you just admire and sing a few songs about and memorize words about and, and cute phrases he said? Or is he the fuel for every era of your life? When I heard those words, I was reminded of a passage from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of Exodus chapter 27. In the Old Testament, in this particular passage, the Israelites, who were a, a special chosen people for a specific mission of God, the Israelites were not to be the only ones that God loved, but more the appointed ones that would be loved by God and then share that love with the rest of the world. They were to be a vessel through which God's love and light would shine through to lead others who are in darkness to, to the light. But in so many ways, we, as we often do ourselves, we stumble, we get off the path, we, we forget the mission, and we go on about living life for ourselves instead of for the mission that God has for us. In the, in the book of Exodus, God is developing the temple, a place that will serve as a place where the Israelites will come and worship God, where they'll come and meet with God, where God will give instructions that they should live their, how they should live their life and how they can lead others to know him. And I remember reading through these passages when I was younger and thinking, what does this have anything to do with life? I mean, he's telling them how to build a tent. There's all this stuff about purple curtains and, and uh, a gold-covered wood gold-covered box, and what does any of this mean? The beauty of Scripture is that all of it, from cover to cover, points to Jesus. 
And many times we just need the Holy Spirit to lead us and to see Jesus in the text. In the book of Exodus chapter 27, verse 20, the Israelites are being commanded in how to build different parts of the temple, the place where God will meet them. And here, they're going to hone in on, on a lamp. What is a lamp's purpose? Provide light. What is light needed for? To help you see, to help you know what, where to walk and to avoid running into things and to help you see things that are important to be seen. Lamps were needed. And so these instructions are given by God about the lamps in the temple. You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you pure beaten olive oil. In, in the version up on the screen, the NIV, command the Israelites to bring to you clear oil of what? Pressed olives. Back in this time and day and age, there were many different kinds of oils used in lamps. And, and, and specific instructions are given to the Israelites. There were some different oils that were easier to come by, that were cheaper. Uh, it was in Myrtle Beach where I discovered the uh, beauty of, of oils. Uh, I was there, and we walked into the shop where there was hundreds and hundreds of different kinds of oils, some very expensive and some just common and, 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 and cheaper. We bought the cheaper one. And, um, but many different kinds of oils. And oils can be used for all kinds of things, from, from using them in foods to eat to uh, using them on your skin for different reasons or for burning them as fuel. And here, the Israelites are given specific instruction to use oil from fresh, pure, beaten, pressed olives. It was very specific. Not just to go get any particular oil, but to get this oil. These were the commandments of God. In the tent, um, it says, uh, bring the oil and set it to burn. In the tent of meeting outside the veil, that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend it evening and morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout the generations by the people of Israel. This was a beautiful picture and a beautiful symbol of the nation of Israel. God had chosen them to be that lantern. God wanted them to be the source of light that would lead other nations to know the love and and the mercy and the forgiveness of our God and Savior. Fast forward a few thousand years, and we see Jesus on the scene. Jesus is on, on the scene. The Bible tells us that it was compassion for the lost that led him to leave heaven. It says that he did not consider equality with God something to hold on to, but he let go of it, lowering himself to step into our mess of a world. He lowered himself to a place of becoming a servant, to the point of even going to the cross in our place to offer up his life in exchange for the forgiveness of ours. He who never sinned became sin in our place, shedding his blood to offer us forgiveness. On the night before Jesus went to the cross, he was in a garden, a garden named Gethsemane. And while he was there, he was praying for his disciples, for those he would leave behind, look at the beautiful prayers of Jesus. You can read John chapter 17, the longest recording prayer of Jesus, where he prayed 
for his disciples. And not only his disciples that he knew, but the disciples that would be their disciples, who would be their disciples, and so on and so forth up to us. Praying for all of us, that we would know him and understand the mission. And as Jesus prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, knowing what was coming, knowing that the Romans had perfected the art of crucifixion, he himself being fully God and yet at the same time fully man, knew the pain that was coming his way. And as he prayed that night in realization of what was coming, the Bible says that he began to feel broken and pressed. So much so that he began to sweat drops of blood. Do you know what the name Gethsemane means? It means olive press. Jesus is that olive that was pressed who is to be the oil in our lives, not just to die for us and be our Savior, but be the fuel that we live our life by. Is Jesus living in you? Is Jesus the source of life living in your bones? Is he the one that is the one you live for, that you breathe for? Is he the one that you are walking in the steps of? Jesus was crushed so that his life would be the oil in our life. A lot of us were trying to fill our lives with so many other things to bring us happiness and peace and to fill the voids and the brokenness and the wounds, but only Jesus and the oil of his life can bring us true hope. Only he can bring us true light that will lead others out of the darkness to see the hope and the love that he brings through the shedding of his blood on the cross are called to walk in him. 1 John chapter 2 says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus lived. The ESV says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way which he walked. Is he your life? Is he the source of energy and hope in you? In order for him to be what we need him to be. We have to be connected to him. In John chapter 15, Jesus said these words, I am the vine and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to read the whole passage for you so you see the depth of where Jesus was going in this passage. In John chapter 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts every branch off in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Are you feeling dry in life? Are you feeling at times pressed and The wrong things are coming out, bad attitude, poor temper, anger at your kids, yelling at your spouse. What is happening to you when life comes and struggles come? Because they come to each and every one of us, don't they? If we remain in Christ, when we are pressed, the fruit, the spirit will be that which comes out. Patience, self-control, kindness, 
goodness remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear uh, good fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Let's keep going. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. It's not an option. If we're connected to the Father, if Jesus is the source of oil in our life, we will bear good fruit. We will bear so much good fruit that people will see our good works and come to know our Father in heaven, it says in Matthew chapter 5. But apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, and they're thrown into the fire, and they're burned. But if you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my what? My disciples. We are called to be the disciples of Jesus. We are called not just to memorize the words of Jesus. Francis Chan said that beautiful uh, analogy. He said, I, I was home with my kids and I told them to clean the room. I said, I'm going to go out and run a couple errands. When I come back, I want to see your room clean. I came back a couple hours later, saw their room was still a mess. So I went to my kids and said, hey, children, what happened? And they said, Father, we were so moved by your words. You told us to clean the room that we memorized those words. They were beautiful. We actually looked up and discovered the original Greek of those words, and we memorized it. Hey, we invited our friends over, and we studied a passage on what it means, what it would mean if we all cleaned our rooms. It was great. We, we wrote a song about cleaning our rooms, and we sang it. Would you like to hear it? And he stood there and said, no. My question is, why is your room still dirty? I told you to clean your rooms. It's not enough for us just to go through the religious actions of our day and somehow think that we're checking a box and earning God's favor. When God says, clean your room, he simply wants us to clean our room. He wants us to be his disciples. He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. We are called to be his disciples. We are called to then go and make disciples who will make disciples. How do we do this? One of the most powerful passages of Scripture is often quoted, uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Those words were shared by Jesus to a man named Nicodemus, one of the religious leaders, uh, elite leaders of his day, who snuck out at night because he was afraid, Nicodemus was afraid, that he, others might see him talking to Jesus, and he had this conversation about the kingdom and how is it possible to become a, a believer? How is it possible to enter the kingdom of heaven? And after Jesus spent this time with this man, uh, we see Nicodemus two other times, John chapter 7, and later in John chapter 19, 20, or 21, 19 or 20, and, and Nicodemus shows up after Jesus has been on the cross, and Nicodemus takes the body and, uh, and helps bury the body and, and anoints the body with all kinds of spices and, and perfumes. And, and, and we see Nicodemus discovered the meaning of what it means to be a true follower of Jesus. 
And at the end of the time when Jesus is sharing the truth of that you must be born again, you must give your heart to me fully, not just born of of flesh, not just born a Jew, not just born a religious person, but born of spirit, transforming, dying to yourself, and becoming a believer in me, a follower of mine. In John chapter 3, after that exchange, it says this. After this, Jesus and his disciples went into the Judean countryside. John 3.22 puts it like this. Where he what? Where he what? Spent some time with them. The Greek for that passage right there. The word for spent some time is diatribo. The word diatribo means to spend or pass time with, to rub off on, to rub between or rub hard. Discipleship is not just scripture memory. Discipleship is not just signing up for a Bible study. Discipleship is not just joining a team at church. Discipleship is spending time with Jesus. Discipleship is allowing Jesus to rub off on us. Passage after passage, time after time, we see that Jesus wasn't just a rabbi and every once in a while some people would attend his class. Jesus lived with these people. They traveled with one another. They went through life's joys and hardships, trials and struggles together. He spent time with them, rubbing off on them. To be a disciple means living life with Jesus. And how do we live life with Jesus now? He has poured himself into us that we would be his hands and feet for one another. Jesus said in Matthew chapter um, 18, 20, For where two or three are gathered, there I am in the middle of them. rubbing off, allowing him to rub off on you. Who are you spending time with? Who is rubbing off on you? As disciples, we are called to walk this life as Jesus walked it. I'm not saying you shouldn't have friends that aren't believers. Jesus has put us to be in the world, not of it. Salt is no good in the salt shaker. We're to be out among those who do not yet know know Jesus, so that we can rub off on them and allow the Jesus that lives in us to, to overflow out of us onto others. Living life as a disciple means living life with one another. There are 59 times one another is used in Scripture, and these are commandments. Let me give you a couple. Be at peace with one another. Wash one another's feet. Love one another. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Accept one another. Greet one another. Eat with one another. Serve one another. Carry one another's burdens. Be patient with one another. Forgive one another. Be compassionate with one another. Teach one another. Encourage one another. Build up one another. Spur on one another. Pray for one another. 
offer hospitality to one another. On and on and on, 59 times. These are not suggestions. These are commandments in Scripture. We are to live life with one another, allowing the Jesus in us to rub off on one another. Our hope at Hope Hill Church is not that you just are a part of a couple programs that we offer or show up for a couple special events that we do to impact the community, but we are a community of people that are living life together, rubbing off on one another, making each other better. Here's a picture of what that can look like. Check out this one. One aspect of our missional community is disciple-making. That looks like twice a month, every other week, we get together and we um, read and study the Bible. And so it's been a really cool process of finding out more about each other. And we took time to really just open up and share our lives. Because we had met each other present day and we knew each other well as friends where we were at currently, we really wanted to take the next step as family. And in order to love and serve each other, as best as we could, we needed to know where everyone had come from. We assessed as a group what commitments we wanted to make to each other. One of those commitments that we made is that we would all be in the Word on a regular basis, individually, but that we would also come together and study the Bible together on a regular basis. We put on paper, literally, and signed our names and committed to each other for um, what things we would stand for going on mission, living as family, and disciple-making. As we were um, growing and shaping and trying to take the next steps and learning um, about each other, we really kind of hit a point where we needed to go deeper, but we weren't exactly sure. And the disciple-making portion of our missional community is really what helped us go to the next level. We opened up um, as individuals and we shared ourselves, where we were at presently, where we had come from, but also our hopes of where we were to go. And we're able to go on mission together because we have the disciple-making portion in our missional community. So every week we meet uh, for about an hour, hour and a half on Thursday mornings, primarily because we don't want to take away from the family time on a, on a Tuesday night when our missional community gathers. So the guys, we meet uh, Thursday mornings for coffee, and we just talk through four basic questions, parenting, prayer, scripture, and purity. We just press into each other's lives uh, and just make sure that we're held accountable to what we say. We want to be men of integrity. So it's a place where we can be known, and we, it's, a, it's a place of trust. And it's a time that we set aside specifically for the guys because we believe there are certain conversations that uh, are specific to guys. We, we build it into our schedule for us to meet on uh, separate times. And that way, um, when we are out on mission, that's that's a specific time where we're dedicated to the mission. And when we're when we're meeting guys with guys, like that's a dedicated time. So I'd encourage you as you build out your missional community to put this at the top priority. Make this a regular thing where you guys are praying, studying the scriptures, and taking action. So here at Hope Hill Church, the way that we would love this to look is that each and every one of you that have consider Hope Hill Church a place you're a part of, is to join a community group. In your handout, we have several listed. During the month of October, our hope is to see new groups form. And if you're interested in either helping start a new group or hosting a group uh, or being a co-leader of a group, we'd love to hear from you. Um, But going deeper than just gathering together, 
you saw a picture where the men would meet with the men and the women would meet with the women. There's a couple churches that call these life transformation groups. And they meet together regularly to not just study God's word, but to ask each other tough questions, to pray for each other, to confess to each other where needed, and to, to go through spiritual disciplines, learning to memorize scripture, learning what it means to fast, learning what it means to understand and apply God's words correctly to our lives. And my hope is that each and every one of you would consider becoming a part of a discipleship relationship. Consider it because Jesus commands it. We are to make disciples of one another. And my hope is that if you are not currently in a disciple relationship, that you would make a decision today to take the steps to discovering somebody in our community that you can connect with. Handed out to you, each of you should have received one of these cards. And as our worship team comes to get ready to close us, I want you to take this card and I want you to fill it out for you as an individual. Or if you're making this commitment as a couple, that's fine. But I want you to honestly allow the Holy Spirit to ask you, are you a disciple? Are you in a disciple-making relationship? Do you have somebody pouring into you? Are you pouring into somebody else? This is how life on life works, that we meet together, we're connecting with each other regularly, we're journeying through life together. And our hope is that each and every one of you. Batman had who? Did I already say this? This servant? Uh, Green Lantern had who? One person up there knew it. Even the Lone Ranger had you need somebody in
I want a good man. I want another guy, ladies, I want another lady pouring into my life, helping me be the disciple God wants me to be. That's my prayer and hope for each and every one of you. If you're here this morning and you're like, this is all kind of new, maybe a little out of my comfort zone, maybe you're here today and you don't really even understand the fullness of who Jesus is. Simply put, Jesus loves you. The Bible tells us that Jesus came and he lived on this earth for 33 years for one purpose, to show you and provide you a way to experience the fullness of his love in your life. I already referred to it today. At the end of 33 years, Jesus gave up his life for us in our place. God loves us, but our sin separates us from God. He is a God that is pure and holy in love, and his love loves us so much that Jesus came to wash our sins away. The Bible says that when he was on the cross, his blood was shed to forgive us of all our sin. We simply need to confess it. The book of Romans says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that we need him as a Savior, that he will save us and make us one of his children. So today may be your first step to simply calling out to Christ as Savior and Lord and asking him to come in and make you one. And for those of you who already know him as Savior and Lord, you're called to be a disciple who makes disciples. Are you doing that? Are you involved in a relationship where that can be happening? Today, I want you to take a step of commitment. And over the next couple weeks, I hope that by October, each and every one of you are in a disciple group, either our community group or a life transformation LTG group, and we'll help you on this journey together. So if y'all just come as we pray. Father God, we thank you being a relational, loving God that pursues us. And you invite us and draw us into relationship with you and a relationship with one another. So God, help us to be obedient to take this step to realize that we're called to live life with one another, journeying, challenging, and sharpening one another. God, I pray right now for those in this room who may not know you as Lord and Savior that right here, right now, they would call out to you, saying, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Help me to surrender to you. Help me to fall in love with you. Come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. I now give you mine. I give you my life. Forgive me and make me new. Help me to follow you. Father God, I also pray for those who know you, that they would be willing to go deeper and deeper in their walk with you lead us to be able to connect more with each other, to become the disciple-making disciples you call us to be. Jesus, we know this is all only possible because on the night before you were arrested, you took a piece of bread and said, this is a symbol of my body that will be broken for you. And you took the cup of wine and you said, this is a symbol of my blood that will be shed for you. As often as we eat of it and drink of it, let us remember how much you love us how you died for us, so that we can now live for you. For those of us that know you as Savior and Lord, meet us in the midst of going through communion with one another together. I ask all these things in your name, I pray. I want to invite you all to stand now as our worship team leads us. Fill out that card. Give it to me. If you gave your life to Jesus today through that prayer, come let one of us know. 
we have some prayer team members standing around the room. If there's anything going on in your life, you would say, yes, I need some prayer in my life. Will you pray with me? We're there to pray with you. Respond now as the Lord leads you.